Thank you very much, Sarah. Well, um, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you. It's wonderful to be opening God's Word with you together this morning. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really honest up front. Um, I'm feeling a little bit naked this morning, not having my guitar strapped to my front. So please do forgive me. And also, I will, um, I'll make an apology for my voice right at the start. Um, I do understand just how inferior you must all feel in the presence of such a glorious Northern Irish accent. And there are a few, few of us in this morning. Um, although I did read a poll recently um, which showed that the, the world's most um, attractive accent was the South African one. Any representatives? No, none. All right, well, and Northern Irish actually only came third in the list. Um, so what that tells me is that I'm afraid um, it was only ever going to go downhill after Quinn, my predecessor, left. Um, so I do apologize for that as well. But this morning, we have the privilege of thinking about worship and prayer as we launch into our hungry week. And in particular, we're going to look at what it is God reveals to us when we seek him in those ways. But before we open the book of Exodus together, I'd, I'd just love to tell you really briefly about an exciting worship experience I had about 10 years ago in which God showed me something of just how good he is. It was 2007, and I was part of a team going on a short-term mission trip to Kenya, and the purpose of the trip was to teach at a Bible camp and to deliver materials for a school building project. And the journey from the airport in Nairobi to the village of Tume, where we were going, should have taken us about 24 hours, uh, first of all by motorway and then later on by dirt track. Um, and it definitely did not go according to plan. And that was because we were carrying about half a ton's worth of steel beams on, on the roof of a beaten up Land Rover. And most of this journey was on dirt track. And so what happened about a day into the journey was uh, we basically, both of the axles on the Land Rover snapped under the weight in perhaps the most remote part of the Kenyan desert plain um, with plenty of wild animals around. So we were all locked in this Land Rover and, and praying very hard that someone would pass us by. Eventually they did. Um, we managed to find somewhere to stay. We managed to take the Land Rover somewhere that it could be repaired. Um, and about two days later, a full four days of traveling, it should have taken us one day, it took four days, we got to the village of Tum um, for the first evening of this uh, Bible camp. And we were feeling road-worn, we were feeling extremely fatigued, and really less than prepared to share the joy of the Lord with the people we had traveled so far to serve. But I remember approaching the little chapel just as it was turning into night, with light pouring out from the open windows and with the sound of people singing, wafting through the evening air. When I entered the room, I discovered that it was a boy of about 10 years old leading the worship song that, that the people were singing um, with just his voice and a drum. And I've said to Dan Frith already that that's his challenge for the closing time of worship that we have this morning. He's just got his voice in a drum, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but they were singing this really simple call and response song, which I'd love to share with you, and I'd love for us to have a go at now. Um, and I've already heard you singing this morning, so I know you're all warmed up. Uh, so the, the boy was just singing, 
I love you, Jesus, you are my Savior. And then they'd all respond, I love you, Jesus, you are my Savior. I love you, Jesus, you're always there for me. I love you, Jesus, you're always there for me. So this really lovely, simple song, which um, they were just singing round and round, and, and the chapel is full of people worshiping the Lord um, with just such delight and a spirit of celebration. And as soon as I walk through the door, I just think, wow, God is here. He's in this room. He's in this room right now. I just sense as we're worshiping that God is here. And these people know it. And, and what's more, they are really, really celebrating it. And in that moment when I walked through the door, it was almost as if God flipped a switch in my heart. And all the fatigue from that journey gave way to a desire to dance and to celebrate God's presence. And all the disillusionment from being stuck in that Land Rover for four days gave way to a desire, and it gave us a fresh understanding, sorry, of exactly why God had brought us to this place. And in that moment, singing that simple song with God's people, I was able to look back over a crazy four-day journey, and I saw that he had been there guiding every step of the way. And even now, he'd orchestrated that I would respond to him in this moment by singing, I love you, Jesus, you're always there for me. And so, Lord, for us today, no matter what we have faced in our journey through the past week, would you just give us that moment where you put everything in perspective for us as we're gathered to worship you and as we're here to hear your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, will you turn to the book of Exodus with me, and we're going to look at chapter 33 today. So if you have a Bible, that is page 92. So it's Exodus chapter 33, starting at verse 7, and that is on page 92. Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses as he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. Well, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you 
and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see my face and live. Just keep that open in front of you, if you will, and we're going to look at that together. So here's the headline. God reveals in this passage his presence to Moses. God reveals his power to Moses. Now that's P-O-W-E-R and not something that you try to get under on a golf course. Um, Please again excuse the accent. He reveals his power to Moses and God reveals his goodness to Moses. Presence, power, and goodness. Today when we seek God in prayer and through a life of worship, what will he reveal to us? Let's dive in. Look again at verse 11 with me. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So the first thing God reveals is the proximity of his presence to Moses. I don't know about you, but for me, one of the greatest um, developments in communications technology in the 21st century has probably been uh, video calling apps like Skype and FaceTime. So hands up anybody here who uses one of those two to communicate people that are far away. Yeah, yeah, they're fantastic, aren't they? Actually, for me, it was a bit of a lifeline. I, spend a year, I spent a year living in, in the USA, and so in order to contact my friends and family back home and to feel close to them, um, being able to see their face on a screen was, was really, really valuable, a bit of a lifeline. And and actually, there's an amazing difference in how close someone can feel when you can not only hear their voice, but see their face as well, even if they're on the other side of the world. As humans, we've recognized the value of speaking face-to-face when we communicate, because it allows for a greater intimacy and an understanding of one another. And here in this verse, God is making the closeness of his presence known to Moses. And not only that, but did you notice that they're speaking to one another as friends? Which to me says that the Lord desires close relationship with those whom he loves. But for me, there is a problem with the tent of meeting. Because I don't know if if you saw this, but it's exclusive It only gives Moses access to the presence of God, and no one else is able to enjoy it. No one else is able to enjoy the same intimacy with the Lord that Moses has. So I'm thinking, where does that leave us 
Does that mean that you and I can't enjoy the friendship of God and his presence in the same way that Moses could? Well, thankfully, the New Testament says no to that. You see, God revealed the closeness of his presence to Moses in the tent. But today, he reveals his presence to us by his spirit in us. And we experience that through a life of worship. Let's draw the line through Scripture really quickly. So here you have a tent giving Moses access to the presence of God. Fast forward a couple of chapters, and you have a tabernacle, and that gives Israel access to the presence of God. And later still in the Old Testament, you have a temple, and that gives access to the Gentiles. They're able to enter the presence of God. But the Gentiles were only allowed in the least holy part of the temple, which was the outer court. So even at the end of the Old Testament, there's still a problem of exclusivity. Not everyone is able to enter the presence of God and enjoy intimacy with him. But the New Testament shows us that it was never God's plan to deny anyone access to his presence. And so on the cross, as Jesus breathed his last, what happened? The temple curtain, which gave access to the Holy of Holies, was torn from top to bottom. And that symbolized that through Jesus' death, anybody could enter the presence of God. And then by sending his Holy Spirit at Pentecost, God shows us that rather than needing a tent or a tabernacle or a temple or even a church building like this one to meet with him, he has chosen to put his presence in the hearts of those who trust him. He has chosen, as the Apostle Paul writes it, to let us become the dwelling in which he lives by his Spirit. Is that not something worth celebrating when we gather together to worship him on a Sunday? That he has chosen to make his home in us by his Spirit. What else does God reveal in this chapter? Well, let's look together at verses 12 to 17. And we see a conversation where God reassures Moses of his power going with him. Verse 12, Moses says this, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. In other words, Moses is saying, Lord, I understand the task, but I can't do it on my own. I need your help. And in these five verses, he effectively brings four questions before God. And each one, each question shows just how fully aware Moses is that he is unfit to complete the task on his own. Verse 12, he asks, who are you going to send with me? Verse 13, how will I know your ways? Verse 15, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me? And verse 16, what will make your people different from anyone else? And all of these questions are framed within the caveat, if your presence does not go with us. How does God respond to these questions? Well, amazingly, he doesn't really answer any of them, certainly not directly, but simply gives Moses reassurance of who it is that he's talking to. 
God says in verse 14, look with me. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And it's as if he's saying, isn't that enough, Moses? So often, I feel like our prayer lives suffer because we focus far too much on the details of what we're praying about. And that is important. But we focus too much on what it is that we're praying about and not nearly enough on who it is that we're praying to. We get caught up in asking, God, what about this? What am I going to do about that thing over here? What should I do with this person? And we forget who it is we're asking these questions to. You see, he's the God who designed every detail of galaxies and planets that the brightest scientific minds in this world won't even discover in our lifetime. And yet, Scripture tells us that he's the God who knows the very number of hairs on our head. And looking out, I appreciate that that number may be greater for more some of us than it may be for others. But it's still, isn't that an amazing level of intimacy that God knows the very number of hairs on our head? And he's also, as we were singing with the children this morning, he's wider than the universe. Don't forget who it is you're praying to. Tim Keller puts it this way. The only person who dares wake up a king at three in the morning for a glass of water is a child. And in prayer, we have that kind of access. Isn't that an amazing perspective on prayer? Let's look at verse 17. God replies to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So the headline in this section is that God reveals his power to Moses and he reveals his power to us through answered prayer. And isn't that great news as we go into a week as a church of prayer and fasting? Isn't that amazing that God will demonstrate his power to us through answered prayer? That surely means that we should pray big, expectant, bold prayers to the Lord. I'd love to encourage you to do that this week. And finally, God reveals his goodness to Moses. Verse 18, let's look together. Moses says to God, now show me your glory. And I wonder, did you pick up how God responds in verse 19? He doesn't actually say, I will cause all my glory to pass in front of you. Instead, he says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. What an extraordinary phrase. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. It's easy for us to assume that beholding the glory of God means witnessing an amazing act of supernatural splendor. And that certainly is possible, and I believe it does happen today. And it is what happens with Moses in chapters 33 and 34. But I think God's response to Moses reveals something unexpected to us. I think it reveals that God's glory is his goodness. 
and particularly his goodness towards his people. Will you flip over the page to Exodus chapter 34 with me just for a second, and we're going to read a few verses from Exodus 34 and verse 6. And here we see exactly what God means to cause his goodness to pass in front of Moses. Exodus 34 verse 6 says this, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. So you see, his goodness is his compassion. His goodness is his grace, his patience, his love, his faithfulness, his forgiveness, and his righteous justice towards his people. And where do we see God's goodness shown most clearly to us today? Well, surely we see it most clearly fulfilled in Jesus. You see, on the cross, Jesus took the punishment for my guilt and for your guilt. And he offered us the forgiveness of God. And now, that means now, all the compassion, all the grace, all the patience, all the love, and all the faithfulness of God are ours to know because of Jesus. Paul writes it this way in the New Testament. God has made his light shine in our hearts, and now we behold his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So we've seen that God reveals his presence to Moses. God reveals his power to Moses. And God reveals his goodness to Moses. And today, he reveals his spirit's presence in us through worship. He reveals his power to us through answered prayer. And he reveals his goodness towards us in the face of Jesus. And I'm going to invite the, the band to come back up, and we're going to, we're going to celebrate this by worshiping together. But just before um, we do celebrate by worshiping together, I'd love to share one conviction with you that I have for the worshiping life of St. Mark's. You see, two years ago, Alana, uh, my wife, and I went to see Coldplay, headline at Wembley Stadium. Now, please don't judge me if you're not a Coldplay fan. I think they're pretty good, but, you know, each to their own. Um, and the atmosphere at the venue alone was just incredible. It was something really, really memorable. And when the stadium lights went down and the band took to the stage, something remarkable happened. 80,000 people came alive, singing every word all night in full voice and with total abandon, all in response to what? To four guys with guitars who had written some nice songs. And St. Mark's, as your worship pastor, I have this burden, I have this longing to see our church respond to the goodness of Jesus in a much greater way than I witnessed people respond to Coldplay songs that night at Wembley.
And that is nothing against Coldplay, but even the brightest shining rock star on this planet absolutely pales in comparison to the glory of the goodness of Jesus. And we have this opportunity. Every Sunday, we get to celebrate God's presence in our lives together through worship. So can I invite you to stand now? And we're going to prepare our hearts to do just that. Lord, we thank you that you have given us your spirit. And what that means is that you've made access to your presence available to all of us. Lord, would you take away any distraction that we are facing right now and would you help us to focus on how great the news is that your spirit is alive and at work in us. And Lord, as we go into this hungry week, would you give us big, bold prayers to bring before you And would you display your power to us by answering those prayers? And even now, as we celebrate your presence with us, Lord, as we worship you now, would you lift the eyes of our hearts and would you help us to behold your glory and your goodness in the face of Jesus? And all these things we ask to you, our mighty King. Amen. Amen. Let's worship him together.